Hello, my name's Russell Howcroft. I've lived a lot of lives. I've been an ad man, a CEO, a chair, an author, a panelist, and I currently co-host a radio show on 3AW. And I'm partner and chief creative officer at The Sayers Group. And I'm host of this podcast. Welcome to Conversations, a Sayers podcast. Throughout my time, I've learned that so much in life starts with, yep, a good conversation. And that's what we're going to do right here today. Okay, so our guest today on Sayers Conversations is Jack Trengove. Jack is the equity or is a equity analyst at um, Langham Asset Management. I've got that right, Jack? Yep, Langham Asset Management, that's the one. Good on you. Well, welcome to the Sayers Conversation podcast. Thanks for having me, Russ. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Good on you, Jack. It's great to great to see you in here in our podcast studio. Now, um, what I'm going to ask you to do is not be modest, right? Uh, I know you. I know you pretty well. I've known you for quite a long time now, and you know one of your great strengths, in fact, is your modesty. Now, I don't want you to be modest in this podcast. I want you to do your very best. <laughs> <laughs> to say things like, yeah, I'm pretty good. <laughs> right? I really, really want you to do that. Now, in order to, in order to get you comfy, um, what, we, what we do in our podcast is we just play some audio, um, which is just purely designed to get you in a place in your mind that you know you're going to feel really comfy having a chat. So Freddie's going to play some sound. Freddie's uh, producing today. We're going to listen to some sounds. Jack, um, which of those sounds is most appealing when it comes to having a... I'm thinking not the fourth one. I don't want to be there. Fourth one, <laughs> the fourth one is like, oh, I'm going around the Cape of... What, what is it? Cape of Good Hope or the Cape Horn? I don't want to be on that one. Anyway, sorry, Jack. I'm thinking around the fire. The fire, yeah. yeah. So there's no, there's no doubt that the fireplace is the great place for us to have a conversation. In fact, we've had conversations around a fire um, in the past. So I'm pleased you've chosen. Yeah. I'm <laughs> pleased you've chosen the fire. So tell us about your gig that you've got. Um, you are at. Uh, you're, well, you're in South Australia, uh, and you're working with a firm, and they're in asset management. So give us, tell us all about that. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess um, you know, going back, I was lucky enough to get drafted when I was younger and play sort of 10 years in the AFL system and um, had always been keen and interested and motivated to know what my next career choice was going to be after after footy. I think um, everyone goes out hoping to play for years and years, win Brownlow medals and premierships, um, but there's always got to be a backup plan or what you're going to do for the rest of your life. So I did a commerce degree while I was playing footy and was always sort of drawn towards the financial industry. Um, didn't know exactly where I wanted to be there, Um but through meeting some great people, getting some exposure to different sort of areas of that industry, I came across sort of asset management or equities and stock market. And um, that's something that really took my interest. And when I was back in Adelaide, um, finished off two years at Port Adelaide, I was introduced to David Prescott, who is the founder and managing director of Lanyon Asset Management. And um, he said that you could come in on your day off while you're playing and just learn a bit of the of what we do and um, and what Lanyon's about. And I did that for two years and then, yeah, made the decision to sort of part ways from footy and, and start a new career in um, at Lanyon as a 
equities analyst, yeah. um, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. It's very different to what I'm used to, but learning so much and loving it. So you did commerce as uh, as you were playing footy. Um, so I should have said that at the start, uh, you know, previously a professional footballer, but we're going to get to some footy. <laughs> so so you did commerce whilst, whilst um, training and whilst playing. Yeah, um, I think it's one of those things that players and athletes in general are encouraged to get out and do something away from footy or their sport of choice. Um, probably very few actually do it. Uh, it is... It's a case of sort of time management and, and trying to figure out that balance of what's enough and what's too much. Um, but I found it awesome for me. Um, as I said at the start, I was very motivated to, to figure out what I wanted to do after footy and I tried really hard at school and you know tried to push the grades as high as I, I possibly could in year 12 um, and have always been sort of stimulated by stuff away from footy as well. So... Um, I did just tick along and do sort of two subjects a semester and then, um, yeah, throughout my footy career got injured at different stages as well. So that's when I could ramp up and do some more subjects. So it took me seven years to do it part-time, but um, felt like a long road. I was so glad when I finally got that piece of paper at the end of it though. Well done, Jack. So high achievement. Let's just go, let's just go there, right? <laughs> so your family, are, they, they're just they're high achievers. Just give us a bit of a... Give us a bit of a rounded, you know, around the houses on, you know, the folks in your part of the world. Yeah. So mum and dad, uh, we grew up in a little country town called Narracourt, which is southeast of South Australia. For those that like wine, Coonawarra region, um, and absolutely loved my upbringing there. Uh, for those that sort of can appreciate a country upbringing, you're sort of thrown at every opportunity out there with when it comes to sport because they just need the numbers. Um, loved being out in the open space and so away you, from... you only got a, you got a game because they needed the numbers. Exactly, yeah. Nice, Jack. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's um, where the modesty's coming out. Okay, yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, mum and dad. Dad was the local vet. Mum, we had an indoor heater pool in our backyard and she taught all the local kids how to swim. Yeah. So that was the upbringing. Two older sisters, Jess, who is just turned 35. She's um, pretty well known now as the marathon runner and um, she recently went to the Com Games in Birmingham and won gold in the marathon and she's absolutely smashing it and I'm a very proud brother. Um, And then my middle sister, she was actually a state rower growing up. Really? um, But she loved the country upbringing so much that she's chosen to go back to the country and she married a a farmer up in Oru, north of... Adelaide at the start of the Flinders Rangers and they Stunning. just had their fourth child the other day. So Wow. Yep. There are now I'm very, very lucky to have a really close knit family who very family orientated and we're best friends and um absolutely love it. Good on you, Jack. I'm I'm very pleased to hear that. So you you all of a sudden found yourself in Melbourne. Um was that I mean, take us back to then. So you're eighteen, I assume, or maybe seventeen. Yeah, just turned 18. Just turned 18. Um, and obviously close family. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you're not at home anymore. Was that a problem for you or was it um, something that was exciting? It was certainly daunting but very exciting as well. So um, I, I guess I grew up with a dream of playing AFL one day. I think a lot of kids uh, grow up with that dream, um, either to play you know, footy in the AFL or play cricket for Australia. Um, they were my big things growing up. And, yeah, I was one of the fortunate ones that, was lucky enough to get drafted when I was 18. So straight out of school, 
had been to Melbourne before but hadn't spent lots of time here. Mm-hmm. Um, and suddenly you're on a plane heading off to Melbourne with your bags packed. Yeah. And that's where you're going to live. So it was, a, it was a bit of a unique situation, the fact that you know this better than anyone, but Melbourne um, had the first two picks that draft and uh, Dean Bailey came and visited my family in Adelaide and he actually told me on that day about a month out before the draft that I was going to be pick number two to the D. So it was unique in the fact that you don't count your chickens. It's sort of not until your name's called out before you truly believe it, but I could prepare my mind mm-hmm. and mum could prepare herself more than anything that she's going to be le- losing a little baby boy to Melbourne. Um, so I guess I just really enjoyed that last month of living in Adelaide with around my close schoolmates and family, knowing that I was probably going to be going to Melbourne. Did you, um, did you tell anyone? I didn't. Um, I was tempted a few times. but I reckon, especially when you're 18 and leaving school. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, so I moved to Melbourne <sighs> and really loved the experience. I was really excited about it. I was, you know... I was lucky enough to get drafted with another Adelaide boy, Luke Tapscott, who's one of my best mates. So we sort of just discovered Melbourne together yep. and just hopped in the car and drove around and tried to figure out where everything was. And, you know, to go into a club like the Melbourne Footy Club, you've got a great support network. I moved in with a host family. Um, so I was very fortunate in that regard. And you get looked after in footy clubs very well. So, you know, it's not like you're short of a few friends or things to do. There's always something happening within footy clubs. So... Um, yeah, I was here for eight years and met my now wife here in, in Melbourne as well. Another, so. another high achiever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's going all right. She's, well, tell us about her. Yeah, so Sarah, we got married at the end of last year. She's a Melbourne girl. I convinced her to start going for the Ds um, and she's trying to become an orthopaedic surgeon yep. as it stands today. So we're both living in Adelaide right now. Um, her family is all here in Melbourne, so we get over regularly to catch up with yep. them, but she's doing very well. Okay, so... One of the things that um, I remember speaking to a Melbourne, a Melbourne, part of the coaching panel, and he said to me, you know, one of the things that happens to footballers, young footballers, um, they are high achievers uh, in their chosen field in footy, and they've always got more kicks than everyone else has got in their local team. Um, they win the best and fairest pretty much every year since they were eight. They probably win the best for their club, and they probably win the competition best and fairest, and they're probably the captain of the school team. And they're probably in the state team. And they probably won, you know, three, four or five premierships by the time they arrive. And then all of a sudden they're surrounded by people that are as good, maybe even better than they are. Now, I'm assuming that that was your experience. And was that a shock? Uh, It was, I guess it was probably pretty similar to that. I was fortunate to get some success early on in my junior career. Won a few premierships. Um, Yeah, school footy, great. I did captain a few teams and um, was in the state 18's footy team for South Australia and we came second, just lost to WA. So um, even the the years leading in, I won a few premierships out at Sturt as well. Yeah. So there is a lot of success around and you are probably one of the better players in the team going through that process. And then, as you say, everyone's brought together 40 blokes who have probably gone through something similar right. in the one room. So it is very unique. Um, but at the same time, it just it's great for competitive people because you're around other competitive people trying to while your teammates you're trying to sort of beat each other to get a spot in the team and that just brings up the the standard of training and whatnot and is one of the issues though that um as you're growing up it's always been kick it to jack you know and as you run past you get you receive the handball and then but then all of a sudden you've got to play a team game so was that something that was could you could you recognize 
the team first was how I was going to achieve uh, success, or did you take a while to realise actually uh, it's it's just not going to it's not like playing footy like I used to play footy. Yeah, I guess it's I, it's different for every individual. I'd like to think that I was um, you know growing up very team orientated, and whilst you might be one of the better players on the team, you know you're only as good as your team, and the, I probably learned that from an early age that you, the only way you're going to get to success is if the team is successful as opposed to the individual. So you know when I came over to Melbourne, yes, it was very much getting used to where you fit within the team system. But um, for me early on, I just wanted to do anything possible to get myself a game. So whether that be you play in the back pocket or you sit on the bench for two quarters, whatever it is, I just wanted to be in the team and a part of it. So you quickly learn that to get into the team, you have to play the team way. Right. And is that something which you think everyone understands quickly or, or is, there a, is there a degree of, I'm going to call it emotional intelligence, that required in order to recognise this isn't about me anymore. It is about, let's call it a system. It's about it's about teamwork, like genuinely it is. Yeah, I think emotional intelligence is certainly a thing that um, you need to pick up early because there's no doubt there's, you can see it in today's game right now, there's individuals out there that are just in it for themselves and they're trying to get themselves as far as they possibly can without thinking about the team. And there's been really good teams over the last 20 years that have proven the team success is more important than any one individual. Um, and some people understand that early. Some people will never understand that. Um, but I think the really successful teams and clubs are able to bring an individual in and they just fall into place straight away because they know that the only way they're going to get an opportunity is if they buy into that team mentality. Okay, so um, how many seasons in were you made the captain of the footy club, co-captain of the, of the Melbourne Football Club? Uh, it was the end of my, what was it? Third season? I reckon it might have been the second. Second season, yeah. Because <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I was actually, You yeah. were 19. Yeah. So you'd played two years of AFL footy, pretty much every game. Did you miss any? Yeah, I, I, I was lucky enough to play. I missed a couple with an injury, but yeah, pretty much most games. Yeah, I don't think that was luck. So, and then the, so year three, you made the co-captain. One of the youngest captains of a footy club in the history of the AFL. Um, co-captain with Jack Grimes, who was 21, I think, yeah. and you were 19. So, don't be modest. How did that happen? Um, good question. Uh, so, I guess, you know, you go about every pre-season, you know, your day-to-day sort of activities with a certain mentality to achieve certain things in life. Um, and I guess I was very competitive and wanted the Melbourne Footy Club to be the best possible club it could be. So, I guess I approached every day with that in mind. And I guess those characteristics sort of, I guess, must have shone through for coaches and my teammates to realise that, you know, this is potentially a guy that we want to um, have as our leader and, and follow. Um, so I guess that's probably how I ended up getting to the role as captain um, at the time that I did. And obviously the Melbourne Footy Club was going through a few different things at that time. We just, you know, Dean Bailey got sacked. We took on a new coach and the club was changing. We are sort of trying to promote a lot of young guys um, and... You know, some older guys were sort of getting moved on and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So we are taking a new path and um, the coaches and my teammates at that time decided to, you know, put Grimes and myself in, mm-hmm. in the main chair, so to speak. And, um, yeah, it was a, a really, really exciting time and 
I was daunted by the task of being captain, but at the same time I was very excited about it because I genuinely believe I genuinely believed that we had a really good list and yeah. the outlook was was great. Yeah. So leadership, what sort of leader are you? Um, I'd say I'm more of a actions more than words type of leader. Um, you know, I'm not the most inspiring speaker or anything like that. I wouldn't say I am, but I'd like to think that I'm very reliable um, and my teammates want me to be their teammate. So, you know, I'll do the team acts that are required for the team to get the ultimate success. So, and a just consistent performer. So, I don't go on the big ups and downs of a roller coaster of emotions or, um, you know, my skill level or performance each week's pretty consistent. So, I think that reliability is probably something that, that sings true. And um, I'd like to think my teammates would say that I'm a good teammate. Yeah, okay, that's good. And so reliability, very yeah. you know, critical in all in all walks of life. And I'm just thinking about, okay, so you're naturally a high achiever, but when you think about, you know, you're the next thing that you want to achieve, is this something that you obsess of, uh, obsess on, or is it something which it just comes naturally? You just write it down and think, oh, I think I'll, you know, I think I'll play cricket for South Australia next year, uh, or I think I am going to become the greatest stock picker. Um, do you obsess about it, or is it is it something a little more natural? Um, I think there's an element of both. Like I'm very much a goal setter, so I think my dad sort of put that in, instilled that in our, us kids from a young age. That sit down New Year's every year and think about what am I going to achieve for the next year. So I think that sort of provided us a good base of always having something to sort of reach for and go for and you know nothing's ever out of the question you sort of put it out there and have a crack at it and that's great there's no such thing as failure it's sort of like yep these are the reasons why you didn't get to that but you know next year you might be able to get to that level that you wanted to and you learn from the your mistakes so I guess you know I am very competitive and aspirational in the fact that I want to reach heights that I think I'm capable of so um, I think that's an element of it. But at the same time, I'm not sitting here every second of the day obsessing about getting to that point in time because I want to enjoy the journey as well because yeah. I think a lot of people forget to actually enjoy that journey. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a, a bit of both if that answers the yeah, question. Yeah, no, it's all good. So I, I, like the, I like the notion that mum and dad have said, okay, let's have a think about what we're going to do this year. But I, I, I think, did I get this right? there was no such thing as a bad idea. Like if you said, I'm going to go to, you know, I actually want to do the Burke and Wills track, they're not going to go, no, no good, think again. Yeah, well, absolutely. I've got the most supportive parents, which I think is really important. And hopefully when I'm, hopefully a dad one day, I'll be able to provide that support for my kids as well because, yeah, there was there was no dumb idea and whatever you wanted to achieve, they were fully supportive of and said, yep, what are you going to do to sort of get to where you want to get to? I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, yeah. investments. So what's good? What's good? Yeah. What are we buying at the moment? Well, it's really interesting. It's, um, you know, my boss has been in the industry for 25, 30 years and he thinks that right now today is the most unique time in markets that he's ever seen yeah. because there's so many different things bubbling away at the surface. Um, obviously, we've just been through a big pandemic which has changed the world as we know it. There's been all this stimulus pumped into the economy so inflation's gone sky high. Um, you know, you could speak to this better than I but... You know, interest rates are finally going up again. You know, my generation have never lived with interest rates sort of increasing, so to speak. Um, and then these geopolitical tensions as well over in Ukraine and Russia, yeah. you know, China, Taiwan, yeah. the US are sort of, you know, 
doing what they're doing and um, causing a bit of havoc. So um, for financial markets, it's a really unique time. Uh-huh. Um, as you can probably tell from the the way I sort of speak to this point in time, I'm quite a conservative person and I think that's reflective in the way that we invest as well. So we prefer to sit on the sidelines when things are a bit volatile and things are a bit expensive. So we prefer to wait for those value opportunities which are, are starting to come out now given the last six months. So... Um, we're skipping into work at the moment as crazy as that sounds and we're excited about the opportunities out there I love it mate I love it so sport you're still playing I am so I'm playing at the Prince Alfred College Old Collegian so when I finished footy at Port back in the end of 2019 you know I've got good mates that were playing in the amateurs over in Adelaide and I thought it was a good opportunity I've focused on footy as being my sort of profession for 10 years and I was really keen to move on to my next career and just play footy for a bit of fun so and hopefully have some success. So I went out to the PAC Held Scholars and and we were lucky enough to win the flag last year. So and tick that box. Um, I was uh, I was pretty pumped. Best on ground. Uh, yeah, I somehow got the yeah, something that like day. that. <laughs> Competition best best and fairest? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good on you, Jack. It's been fantastic talking to you. I I wish you and Sarah and the coming decades all the success that you absolutely thoroughly deserve. You are a terrific fella and um, I'm going to hear, we're all going to hear a lot more about you. There's no doubt about that. Beautiful. Thanks for having me, Russ.